This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Welcome back to the podcast and the Finding Joy series. This is my third episode in the Finding Joy series. I have done one on going part-time as a working mom and also finding joy as a parent in a pandemic. And I feel like I have the ideas to do these episodes and then something happens in my day and in my life and I'm like, okay, this is a good time to record this. So this is when I record these episodes, when I am feeling impassioned about these topics, feeling like maybe you need to hear this too. So on this episode, I am talking about the term self-care. I have actually grown to loathe this term. The self-care industry in itself is a multi-billion dollar industry on social media, you know, light some candles and do this and meditate, all that. It's great. It's important. I think it's very, very useful. On social media, it's women looking perfect all the time who use the hashtag self-care, you know, when they're getting their nails done or their hair done. And yeah, the use of the self-care hashtag has made me hate the term self-care so much that I like actually need some self-care to overcome the annoyance I have with the term self-care. You know, got it? Okay, yeah, it's, it's what it is. But it really just comes down to understanding that, yes, self-care is important. It is. But we also have to rephrase it on what we look at in terms of self-care. I believe that self-care is impossible as a mom. Add on any extra kids. So if you have one child, it's already difficult. When you add on another child, it gets more difficult. So you keep adding on kids. Self-care is going to seem almost impossible. You add on the responsibilities that we have, such as work, if you're a working mom, household chores, to-do lists, all the things that we have to do to keep the family going and everything that we have to do. It seems unattainable. And then what happens? So you feel like, okay, I'm seeing everyone do practice self-care and say that it's important, but... I don't have the time. And then you start to feel guilty when you can't accomplish self-care that you are being preached to do. The importance of self-care. Yes, I know the importance of self-care, but I can't find the time. I feel like I'm just constantly drowning to find and carve out those moments of self-care. So in this episode, I'm not only talking about self-care, but I'm talking about the issues I have with it and also how to create more self-compassion and why that's more important to me than self-care. The reality is we all have different resources and we all have a different definition of what self-care looks like 
And yet we sometimes hold ourselves to a standard created by others or you compare your self-care to others. And that's what I don't want you all to do. On this Finding Joy series, I'm going to be going over things like milestone anxiety, comparison, the things that we do that really rob our joy as parents, especially as moms, because I'm a mom too. And oh, comparison is the worst. And I feel like now we're comparing our self-care. So what are things that you see on social media or maybe your friends are doing that are, you know, deemed self-care? Bubble baths, getting your nails done, getting your hair done, getting things done for you, for your physical well-being. But I'm really going to go back to the importance of your mental well-being. Yes, these things are great, right? Like going to get your nails done and going to get your hair done and going to do all the physical things that get you away from your responsibilities are good. But is your mind is your mind actually removing yourself from all the things you have to do? That is the key. Self-care has to involve mental peace. It has to involve the things that really will help you reset. So if you go to get your nails done, but then you're on your phone looking at social media and looking at things that don't bring you joy, or you are constantly making a list for your children, that is actually not self-care. Self-care and its entity has to be where you can still your mind or do something for your body, like exercise or something to move that energy. Because as moms, we do a lot, we think about a lot, and we have a lot of energy in our bodies. What I mean by that is that we have a lot of sometimes stagnant energy. You know, you feel like overwhelmed or antsy or I got to do this and I got to do this. We got to move that energy somewhere, whether it's through exercise, going for a walk with your child if you don't have any childcare. But we also have to learn to also retrain and still our mind. When you are on social media and you're looking at all these women get their nails done and work out in and going on a girl's trip, you may ask yourself, well, I can't do any of that. Not only do I not have the resources, whether it's financial or time off, I may not have childcare or help to do any of that. And then you go into the spiral, well, they're doing that, but why am I not? And that's a whole different finding joy conversation about comparison. Self-care is yours. Self-compassion is also yours, and it's going to bring you more self-care. There are a few fundamental issues I have with self-care. Number one, it seems impossible when you have no help. This is true for so many of us in this pandemic, right? Childcare is a mess. Your job, if you're working, may be overstressful for you. You know, you're just feeling overwhelmed. Social circles are not what they used to be pre-pandemic. We have to figure out, okay, play dates and risk and da-da-da. It can seem like there is no amount of self-care that is going to fix the lack of support and lack of social structure that we kind of need. So it's when I talk about self-compassion, it's understanding that. It's understanding that I may want to do these things and I would love to do these things, but I have to also understand that I need to figure out what's best for my resources, what's best for me, and not compare it to someone else's definition of self-care. The number two issue I have with self-care is when we have tumbled into a spiral of exhaustion, there is no amount of meditation or lighting a candle that's going to fix it. When you enter that spiral of overwhelm, it can be hard to get out. I mean, this is actually neuropsychiatry. It's how our brain is wired. So you start to think about something and you're worried about X, Y, and Z. And then now you're worried about the worry and it's like a spiral of anxiety I call it like your anxiety has its own anxiety. It's, it's not healthy. And those spirals 
is what can cause you to lose your joy in motherhood, not be present in the moment. So things like lighting a candle and like doing any of these little things for self-care, it can almost feel like you're trying to patch a leak with scotch tape. It's going to barely keep it together. Maybe just for a little bit, you're going to put this in and it's going to barely keep it together. But you need to go back down to, well, what do I need to do to sustain in the long term? And that goes back to that self-compassion piece, that understanding that this is my situation. How am I going to navigate this? Have some grace for yourself and say, you know what? This is a difficult time. Number three with the issue with self-care is we confuse needing self-care with an actual need for professional help. A good rule of thumb is if you are doing your usual self-care practices and you are still feeling a level of distress, such as feelings of guilt, anxiety, overwhelm, unable to sleep for weeks on end, where it's not just a day-to-day thing, intrusive thoughts, lack of motivation, difficulty concentrating, you're now at a point where this is not a one-off because we're all entitled to one-off days, one-off few days, one-off weeks. But if this is becoming your norm, where you know yourself best and you say, I do not feel right. It is time to seek professional support. Now, I know what you're thinking. How am I supposed to do this? My life is so busy. But I want you to think of how important these things are for your long run sustainability. Seeing a therapist may not need to be every week. I know it can be very pricey if it's not covered by insurance. But even just every month, you need to talk to someone who's trained in mental health if you are feeling completely lost. I've spoken about this in a lot of my Finding Joy episodes, but it's so vital to recognize and have that insight in saying, this is really tough for me right now. I'm not the person I am usually. And I'm speaking honestly, like I've been doing pretty great from an emotional standpoint, I would say since I was eight months postpartum. Most of you know that I went through uh, depression and anxiety eight months postpartum. I navigated through that. I saw a therapist and I actually started to feel really great. Things were going really good. And New Year hit. A lot of great things have happened, but also a lot of not so great things have happened. And it triggered a lot of anxiety that is from repressed things that happened two years ago, maybe in my childhood. It's stuff that we don't recognize. So I'm starting to see a therapist again. Um, I'm actually seeing a psychiatrist. I want to do something called CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. I want to look into this. And I'm grateful for the resource. I also have to look at financial cost. I can't afford every week sessions. I have to think about my balance of my resources with also what I need. So I'm thinking about doing once a month or every two weeks based on the cost. But it's important to understand that just because you're doing self-care doesn't mean that you're in a state of peace because it comes down to what your mind is doing. We all may define self-care differently or need different outlets. I find my self-care activities to be working out to get that physical energy out. Remember, when you are holding on to thoughts and energy, it's in your brain. It needs to move somewhere. So whether it's through five minutes or 20 minutes of physical activity or writing in a journal, which I love because you have the physical ability to write your energy and your emotions out versus just typing, that physical movement of a pen to paper gets the energy out. What we're trying to do is remove the energy that's causing us angst or causing us anxiety or causing us discomfort and feeling like we're not ourselves. One of my most important ways of finding self-care is when I am doing something uninterrupted, where I'm sitting or in my room, whatever it may be, no one yelling mama, 
no questions being asked for my husband, no dogs barking, nothing, just doing stuff for myself. I have a career and a platform that is a giving field. I'm always giving. I give at work, I give for my family, and then I also give on social media. So it's important that I get those moments of self-care where my mind can rest. Usually for me, it means meditation. Meditation is not easy for everyone because it's hard for our brain to calm itself. It's exhausting and it feels uncomfortable. But the reality is meditation works because in the long run, it trains your brain to reset in those moments. But it's impossible for me to do any of these self-care activities when I have Ryan in the home. If Ryan is in the home and he's awake, it is really hard for me to do self-care activities such as working out, such as taking a moment because inevitably I hear his screams or I hear his mama, mama, and I love that, but I also need the mind space and the ability to just block out and be on my own. It's what I need for self-care. Or I'll be doing a Peloton ride and my husband's watching him and all of a sudden he ends up in my space and he is trying to climb on the bike and he's trying to watch me and run and I love it. I love that he loves me, but I also need that mental break for anywhere from five to 20 minutes. And this is going to look so different for you. But I encourage you to think about the things that you can do to give you some mental peace. Whether that's sitting in a car for five minutes before you go into your home or pick up your child from childcare or whatever it is, whether that's meditating, whether that's moving your body, I need you to really maximize that for yourself. Number five, we feel guilty about self-care when we don't do it because we feel like we are letting ourselves down. Cue the guilt, right? We feel like I didn't do my self-care. I, I need to do it. I can't. I don't have the time. A checklist we can't accomplish. And that is the worst thing we can do, especially when you're dealing with overwhelming anxiety or I have to do this or I'm thinking about COVID or I'm thinking about X, Y, and Z. Cue the need for more self-care and there's a vicious cycle being created. And this is all exhausting. And this is the fundamental issues with self-care and that terminology. It's not that we don't need it. It's that we also have to remember that, in my opinion, the best self-care is when we have mental peace. So things like exercising uninterrupted, things like meditating, things like just sitting alone, things like going for a walk without your cell phone. Remember, I I'm always, I'm on my cell phone a lot. I have a business that is on Instagram. I am constantly on emails, devices, but I also recognize the need to shut that down. That shutdown is so important because if you're constantly wired to a phone, you are constantly going to be wired in your brain. And cell phones have increased anxiety. We have research to prove this. It's increased depression. Social media has increased anxiety and depression. I honestly feel like if I were to pull all my moms that are on social media regularly and then pull all my moms in my office who don't go on social media, I would see a stark difference between anxiety, depression, all of these things. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Artube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs 
and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Social media is a blessing, but it's also a curse in the way that we get subconscious comparison game. We subconsciously feel like we're not doing enough. We subconsciously get more anxious with all the things that we read without even sometimes realizing it. So rather than focusing solely on self-care, I want you to focus on self-compassion. Focus on giving yourself some understanding for the bad days and the bad moments, and also that you may not be able to do self-care every day. Tell yourself, okay, I know I have to do these things for my mental health. I know it's important that I work out, but stop creating the expectation that it's going to happen every day. It may not happen every day. Set realistic expectations. I always say, it's important to set expectations that are reasonable and then surprise yourself. I think sometimes feel like people feel like if you set low expectations that you're not striving for greatness, that's not what this means. You can strive for greatness, but you also have to look at your resources. If you are so busy and can't work out every day or can't meditate every day because you have to get your kids ready and you're trying to, think about ways that you can incorporate it into your schedule. If they go to school, Maybe I'm going to exercise and meditate for a total of 25 minutes. I do a 20-minute workout. I do a five-minute meditation, right? You can do this after you drop them off. It's what I've started to do more of so that I can get those very important mental clarity pieces 
when my child is not in the house. And then today I got a call that he has diarrhea. So we had to pick him up from school and it cascaded that spiral of overwhelm. And I'm being honest when I say this. That anxiety overwhelm of, oh my gosh, she's sick. Okay, what's going on with this illness? Again, these back-to-backs are killing us. I mean, we just want him to be okay, but we also have to work. We also have no child care help outside of child care in the group setting. So it's this understanding that I have to show some self-compassion for myself and understanding that this is the moment I'm in. How am I going to navigate this in the now? How do I tell my brain that this is not a forever? It won't be a forever. You are going to get back to the time where things don't feel overwhelming. And that is really hard for me to do. And it takes training, right? It takes me reprogramming and rewiring my brain through meditation, through other things with reframing, which I will go into in so many more episodes. So here are some of my favorite ways to practice self-compassion. Number one, recognize burnout. You are the only one who knows this. And everyone is so different. You know, I'll see moms come into my office and just looking from the outside, they have seven children. They seem to be just so content and happy. And I'm like, awesome. And then I see a mom who has one child and is overwhelmed. And I don't know everything about those resources. I don't know anything about these families that I would want to know besides just what I'm talking to them in the office. But it also does come down to the mindset of that mom. It does. I mean, I think we forget how powerful our mindset is and reframing. How am I looking at these situations? Do I look at these situations as fear and dread? Or do I look at it as a moment and that I'm human and it's going to pass? You need to speak to your partner if you have one. And if you don't have a partner, build in the things for you when your child is napping or goes down to sleep. I always have a tip that the first thing you need to do when it's nap time or bedtime is get get rid of all of the activities that you need to get done because it helps you for the day, right? Whether that's dishes or cleaning up the toys. You don't have to do that. That's not a requirement. But once you have done that, you need to reset your soul. You need to focus on no more than 30 minutes if you don't have the time of moving your body, whether that's yoga, whether that's doing stretches, whether that's going um, for a walk, if you have help when the child's napping, whether that is meditation, you need to move your body. There are home programs to move your body. There is no excuse not to because rather than scrolling social media, rather than doing other things, I need you to protect your mental health. And these things can give you that fire back. This is about long-term maintenance so that we don't end up into the cycle of overwhelmed. And I was telling my husband that I feel like I was doing all of this for so long and then I neglected it. For about six months, I got so busy with Pete's Dog Talk, so busy with mom life that I neglected my working out. I neglected the meditation. I neglected the things that gave me peace in my mind. And now I'm back at it. And it's not easy to get back into things. It's like working out, right? When you don't work out for a week, it's like all the months that you've done just feel futile. But it does matter. When you do get a moment, whether it's during a nap, or bedtime, or whatever it is, focus on the small accomplishments for the day. I cleaned up the toys or did the dishes. You don't need to do everything, but give yourself just a little verbal internal nod for accomplishing something you did today. You don't need a big red carpet rolled out for you because I don't want this to be that you always are searching for validation from other people. The only person that matters in your mental space is you. You are the person who takes up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, real estate in your mind. So saying that this person needs to do this or this person needs to say this about me, it doesn't help. You've got to learn to celebrate yourself. And that is how we can show ourselves self-compassion. Focus on the things you did today and not the things you didn't. 
as mothers, we often forget all the good things that we do because it's much easier for our brain to focus on negatives. This is how the brain is programmed. You are driving and you see a car crash on the side of the road. You are more likely to be rubbernecking and noticing that versus just continuing to drive on a normal day. Our brain is programmed to see negative energy and to see negative things. It's why people end up watching the news. We watch the news to get the negative, negative, negative. But this is not helpful. It doesn't serve a purpose to constantly hear negative things. So recognize that this is happening. Show yourself compassion by feeding the dopamine. Feed your dopamine with things that are good that happen during the day. By doing this, you're not denying that the bad things happen. Remember, you are just making a choice that bad things happened. But hey, what were the good things? And remember, I talk about that in episode 100 with the finding joy in a pandemic. Maybe your kiddo laughed today at something that you did. Maybe you didn't yell as much today. Maybe you made an improvement in how you manage something. Maybe you yelled, but you apologized. There's going to be something in your day that you can tell yourself, wow, I'm so proud of myself for doing this today. I did something that I didn't do before. And you need to reflect on that. That is why at the end of the day, I ask that, you know, shutting down your cell phone, so just say your bedtime's 11, shutting down your cell phone 1030 and really either journaling and writing it all out or just self-reflecting for the day. And I like journaling. It may not work for a lot of people, but it's that physical ability to write your feelings down and let it out of your body and mind and into the open. And the physical process of writing in a journal can really help move the energy, that energy that's stagnant, that's causing us to feel overwhelmed. The other thing is practice reframing. When you're practicing reframing, you are doing this for all the things that did make you feel upset today. Rather than scrolling social, which again, it's like the fourth time I said this, but it's important because I love social media because it brought me to so many of you. But I also know that there are limitations. Un- unbeknownst to you, you are going to see it and maybe think, oh man, I, don't, I didn't do that or I should have done that. First, follow accounts that inspire you and that make you feel like a better mom or a better person. Don't follow accounts that make you feel shittier. But by reframing how you do this is you take at the end of the day, journaling is a great idea or just talking to yourself and you write all the things that maybe didn't go your way in the day, things that caused you angst, like I said. And I want you to write an example. For example, for me, I'll be announcing this soon, but I'm going through, we're going through IVF and it's caused me a lot of anxiety. The scheduling, the how to make it work with work and um, bringing up trauma from my delivery. I mean, there's so many things on my head. So I wrote anxiety, IVF. And then in the reframe, I wrote all the things to reframe. I said that I'm so blessed to have a child that I love. I'm so blessed to have my health. I trust my body to do what it needs to do. And I understand that I can't control it. I can't control when I'm going to get my schedule. I can't control if I'm going to be able to make that schedule. But what I do know is that I will have to take off time from work. I will work with them on what I need to do. And that my health and my family is my priority. And that is what I do with the reframing. So every night when you're feeling like, I had a overwhelming day journal. If you do not have an overwhelming day, because those days are going to exist, you can say I had a really great day, but always talk about gratitude in your journal exercises, because what we're trying to do is feed the brain, the positive chemicals. We're trying to feed the dopamine. We're trying to feed the things that make us feel good about ourselves. And that is about self-compassion, right? I love myself. I did something really great today. And 
just because I love myself doesn't mean I'm perfect. It means that I'm going to grow and the day may not have been perfect, but I'm going to learn from it. And that is really powerful. Another bonus is say it to yourself out loud. I know it sounds really weird, but I did this and my dog was like, what's going on? Why is my dog mom um, talking out loud? But I would write it down. And when I do the reframe, I would just talk to myself and say the reframe. You are strong. Your body is capable. You have science on your side. It will work if it's meant to work. And I, I know that's hard sometimes to hear. But by talking to yourself, it's almost like you're talking to a friend. Your tone can get excited. Your tone can get sassy. But when you say it to yourself, it makes you believe it more out loud versus just writing it and being like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to do. You're taking ownership. You are showing yourself, yeah, I can do this. And you are controlling the narrative. So much of mindfulness and so much of mental health is controlling the narrative, controlling your story. And that is what you're doing. By reframing, you are saying that here is the fa- here are the facts. The facts are that this happened. The facts are that this happened. Everything else besides the facts is your story. And when it's your story, it's, it can be changed. So your child is sick, right? That's the fact. Your child needs to stay out from daycare. That's the fact. That's happening to me right now. I got upset. I showed myself some compassion. I said, okay, it's what it is. Now, the reality you can tell yourself is that means that I'm going to have to reschedule everything. It's, I mean, it's going to call out from work. It means how long is this going to be? But what you can also tell yourself is that this may be just a day. I have to focus on my child. My child's sick and he needs me. And that is what the most important thing is. You have to control the reality. And in order to control the reality, you have to control your narrative. Facts are one thing, but narrative is another. The last thing is don't put too much pressure on you to self-care a certain way. What works for you may not work for someone else, but it does come down to two essentials in my opinion. Physically moving your body to some degree every day, five times a week, whatever you can make possible in your schedule. Physical movement really helps channel that energy that can stay stagnant in our body. I sometimes only do five minute exercises. I do 15 minute, 20 minute. It does not have to be a half an hour. It has to be, you know, what you can feasibly do in your schedule. And you can carve out that time. Like I said, think about your day. Think about all the things that you do in your day. And think about the moments where you are sitting. Every other day or five times a week, think about, can I fit in a 10 minute workout, whether it's on Peloton, whether you put up a YouTube video, remember you don't have to pay an arm and a leg to have physical activity, move your body to get that energy going. And then the other thing is take out that energy with something like meditation, journaling, or taking a moment away from cell phones, whether that means going for a walk with your dog and your child. Self-care does not have to involve you being alone. Yes, I would love that. Yes, I would love that mental break. But sometimes it means going for a stroll, chatting about the things that you want to chat, you doing what you need to do to get outside into nature because nature is also a healer as well. So rather than trying to fit into self-care and the idea, I need to do this and I need to do this every day, fit in self-compassion. Celebrate the things that you did do well or that are going well in your life. You may need to dig deep on some days. Some days you may have a throwaway day. I've said that on episode 100. But you have to do this without comparing your self-care with others 
or another day or another moment you had. I think we get into that cycle of, man, yesterday was so great. And why is this like that? Days and moments are fleeting. What is not fleeting is the mindset that you create for yourself, the story and narrative you tell yourself. This may be happening, but you know what? We are going to be okay. I have this. I'm capable of taking care of my sick child. I'm capable of knowing that we have doctors and you know hospitals and pediatrician's offices to help me if I need it. I am capable. I know what I am capable of, and it takes training to do that, but I know you can. In the end, self-care is giving the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. And in order to reach that place of self-care, we have to have self-compassion first. We have to understand that we are not human. We have to understand that there may be bad and good days. And understanding and learning to let go of expectations to show yourself some grace so you can navigate these really hard times. I hope you found this episode helpful. I love the Finding Joy series. I love that I can share some of my personal stories. I love that I can give you some feedback into creating that joy again. The goal is for us to become at a state of being content with our life, that we love our life for what it is and what it's going to show us, but that we understand that there are ups and downs. If you have any topics that you want me to bring up on these Finding Joy episodes, like you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed with this, or I feel like, how can I reframe? I want you to call it in to 954-526-2641. I will use it as a topic. I will create an episode discussing how to reframe the big picture on how we parent our kids. This is what these episodes are about. If you found it enjoyable, make sure you leave a review or a rating wherever you can and share it on social media. And I will talk to you next time. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.